0: You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 124. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are going to talk about whether or not you have what it takes to lead. Now, have is an acronym requiring four leadership traits to be most successful, which include humility, appreciation and acceptance, vulnerability, and empathy. And we're going to be diving into these, helping you understand how you can develop your own skills in these areas, avoid the negative connotations that often come with some of these traits, build respect around these traits in your organization so that you can ultimately make a bigger impact. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO. Whether you're starting a PMO for the first time, trying to get your PMO back on track, or just want to ensure that your PMO is as high impact as possible, this training will get right to the heart of what really makes a difference in the eyes of your business leaders, where to focus your energy for the best results, and how to accelerate your PMO performance. We're going to follow my step-by-step framework That has been developed leveraging more than 24 years of real world experience as a PMO leader myself for 15 years and as a consultant with PMO Strategies, a trainer and a coach for the last nine years. The work I do with my students has helped them get and keep their seat at the table no matter what kind of chaos is thrown in their way and they are thriving. Join me for this one hour training program by going to PMOstrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's PMOstrategies.com forward slash PMO. And let's unleash the full power of your Impact Engine PMO today. Okay, let's dive in. So we're talking all about if you have what it takes to lead. And with us today is my pal, Skip Wiseman. Skip is a former professional baseball executive and professional speaker, business coach, and author, and works with organizations that want to create championship teams and work environments that increase productivity, performance, and profits. Now, since 2012, Skip has been a keynote speaker and workshop presenter to audiences as large as 1,500 people in corporate and association conferences across North America, including 36 different PMI chapter events. So you may have seen Skip at one of those events. Or at Project Bytes, a thing that's being done by David Barrett that we both have been a part of in the past. Now, in 2018, Skip published his first book, Overcoming the Seven Deadliest Communication Sins, a new standard for workplace communication, in which he began to explore the relationship between trust and respect that we talked about when he was a part of the PMO Impact Summit this year for 2021. Now, with all of that said, Skip, I am super excited to have you here on this podcast. I am excited to dive in and talk more about what it takes to lead and whether or not we have what it <laughs> takes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being
1: here. <laughs> I love the way you just uh, put that right into the sentence. You got to reconfigure every sentence to make sure you can use have, right? uh, as one of the words. Well, it's Uh, a fun
0: acronym. You took advantage of a really popular word.
1: (laughs) Well done there. So, Yeah, so this is something that came up for me a couple of years ago when I was in some of my own self-development programs and the concept of humility came up and I've been watching Brene Brown on some of her stuff with vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, I just realized somebody asked me a question. I think it might have been at one of the PMI events I was speaking about, just about my baseball background. And it's always a good hot topic of people wanting to come and learn about my baseball career. Talked about the championship my team won in 1999. They always ask me about the athletes, right? So who do you know who made the major leagues? Because so I was in the minor leagues. yeah. And I, I talk about some of the guys that came through and probably the most famous, Kurt Schilling. Probably the best major league pitcher that came through my teams. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Todd Hundley, the Mets catcher from a number of years ago, came through my team. So, but they asked me, so how many of those? I said, usually about 10% of the minor leaguers will get to the major league. I said, you know, a lot of the young kids who sign pro contracts, they don't get it. They don't they think they've signed a pro contract and they've made it. And I can tell you that I experienced low round draft picks or free agent kids who just signed a contract who had no business getting to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. but they realized they had to work at it <laughs> just c- because they signed a pro contract. Didn't mean that they had made it. Right. And then I've saw high draft picks who got a big signing bonus and just didn't put the work in to get there because they thought they had made it. And mm-hmm. so when people were asking me, what, what's it take to get to the major leagues? It's, it takes a lot of things, it takes talent, it takes a lot of luck. You got to stay healthy, right? It's a, it's a grind to stay healthy. But one of the things that really made the difference was humility. And they kind of look at me funny and they said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you know, just because you sign a pro contract doesn't mean that you've made it. And you you have to be very confident to be that good of a ball player just to sign a pro contract. And so confidence and cockiness is in deep deep, deep, deep supply there, (laughs) in abundance there. (laughs) But that's what gets some of the athletes stuck because they have, they're too cocky and they're too confident. The ones who make it are the ones who are humble and they have humility and they realize they still have to keep learning. And it's the same way in leadership and and teams. We have to know we have to, there's always another level we have to keep getting better because if we think we've learned it all, we think we know it all. It just, first of all, that projects out into the interactions we have with other people. And most leaders are really great at providing constructive feedback to their people, right? There's no lack of leaders wanting to do that or feeling the need to do that. Yet how many are open to receiving it? And that's what I ask my clients all the time. My people really, they're not open to constructive feedback. I can't understand that. I said, well, how good are you with constructive feedback, (laughs) right? And so, again, I always go, we have to model the behavior we want. And if we want to make our people more open to constructive feedback, we need to have the humility to be open to it as well. And you should be soliciting uh, constructive feedback from your people. And imagine if you did that. If you led with humility and led with looking for constructive feedback from your people, how much easier would it be for them to be open to your constructive feedback when you bring it because you're modeling it? I always start with that story around humility and the athletes making it to the major leagues. And if you think about just athletes in general and teams in general, you might be a winning team and you make the playoffs. Well, as soon as you make the playoffs, the competition gets a little bit stiffer, right? You get to the championship game, whether it be the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Stanley Cup finals, and you got to get even better. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only way we get even better is by studying the game films and looking at our opponent's tendencies and and just getting deeply involved in finding that edge. And how can we get even better? And if we're too cocky and too confident, Mm -hmm. we're not going to go there. Right. And you're going to get beat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it really starts with that humility.
0: Before we go any further, I want to talk about this a bit, because. Well there's two things running through my mind at the same time which is not unusual. One, I'm thinking about the conversations I've had with my son who as a kid is like mm-hmm. and obsessed with baseball as he is. It's an interesting conversation because he says, "Well, what if I want to be a pro baseball player?" and and I keep telling him how much work it is and how he really has to start now with dedicating his efforts to getting stronger and working hard because it's such a rare thing to even make it to the minor leagues, right? I mean, about all the kids that play baseball, and even to make it to the minor leagues, and then and you still haven't made it. So I think that's really interesting. So that is playing around in my mind, just (laughs) personal perspective. Uh, But then also, I'm thinking about how this applies to PMO leaders in Mm. their organizations, because oftentimes, and this is something that I really noticed when I was early in my PMO career, but not when I first started building PMOs. Because in 1999, when I built my, built my first PMO, I had no idea what I was doing. And I mm-hmm. knew I had no idea what I was doing. I was figuring it out along the way. right? But then I started getting better and better at it. And then I would read these books or take these classes. And they would say, well, you know what's best for the organization. You're the expert. They're not. You go in and tell them what they need, tell them the medicine mm-hmm. they need to take and convince them that you're right, they're wrong, et but- cetera and right. you know how effective was that not at all right <laughs> <laughs> so mm, I, I i remember times being like having been indoctrinated into this idea that i knew what was best for them and whenever i took that guidance which was actually poor advice I found that my stakeholders and business leaders were resistant, and they didn't Cruiserful. want nothing to do with it. And so I learned the hard way, but learned quickly because I paid attention to the feedback I was getting. That being, like you say, being cocky, being overconfident, being sure that you know it all, is a guaranteed way to get your stakeholders pushing, running in the other direction, pushing resisting yep. what you're bringing to the table. As opposed to being more humble and being curious and asking questions and having a better conversation about how you can serve them and solve their problems, knowing you don't know it all. Because that's what I'm always telling PMO leaders. I talk Mm. about it in our impact engine PMO hands-on implementation program. We have for PMO leaders. I tell them, we spend a whole module talking around assessment work and talking to business leaders and stakeholders. And I tell them, if you assume you know what's best for them, you are wrong. I guarantee it. Right. And so I feel like this hits really squarely in the middle of what we need to be thinking about as PMO leaders before we've even gotten to all the other ones. We're just on the air. Right. I think yeah. this is huge for PMO leaders, understanding that they must be humble. They must be prepared to learn and ask thoughtful questions and really understand the pain points and the places of opportunity, as opposed to assuming that just what we see on the surface or what we see isn't kind of looking outside in that we know what's best for them because we're almost always wrong. And sure, maybe eventually, they need some of the things that we see and bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But if they don't feel heard, and like we talked about in your summit session this year, respected, then they're not going to listen to anything you have to say or come with you through the change. So I just want to really impress on this audience how important that humility component is, and I'm going to make my son go back and listen to this podcast episode about what how hard it is and what it takes to really make it in the pros as well. So, all
1: right, let's keep yeah. going.
0: Thank you. Okay.
1: Yeah. So as my former boss owner of one of my baseball teams said, not to belabor the point, mm-hmm. which means you're going to belabor the point. Right? Exactly. So I, I want to share this because I think it's really powerful and I'm happy to send you the resource to post somewhere, but back in the fall of 2020, Tesla and Elon Musk did their big battery yeah. summit, right? right? At the end of that program, which was like a three hour long program, one of their senior engineers came up, Elon on the on stage, introduced them. At the end, he said, he's asking developers for help. He said, we want your help. We want to, and he said, we want to know where we're wrong because we know we're wrong. And as Elon says, it's only a matter of degrees, but we know we're wrong, right? Uh-huh. And Elon was standing right beside him and he said, right, Elon, and he said, absolutely. He says, we're always wrong. We just, it's just a matter of degrees and we want to hear how we're wrong. And they solicited that response from developers and other people out there because they said, the only way we can grow better and faster is by having other people share with us how they think we're wrong. And I thought that was extremely humble of them to do that. And like Elon or not, and he's, he's a pretty cocky guy himself, but it's a balance, right? of that i think we need to shift the balance more in the, on, on the humility side because i don't think there's a lot of it in the business world today so enough yes. of
0: yeah so true that. <laughs> exactly so, so, all right impact was, drivers hopefully we've nailed that so, one or we hit it out so, of the park right
1: <laughs> so i actually re- clipped 22 seconds of that video if you want a copy of it or a resource i'm happy to sure. send you a copy of the link because i think it's really powerful to see him say that so the second one second letter in the have is obviously A, which, you might, so there's four aspects, but this is appreciation and acceptance sort of all in one because I think we really have to appreciate where we are, appreciate where we're at, appreciate the opportunity in front of us, right? <laughs> appreciate the other person in front of us or whatever and accept them, accept it for what it is. Because if we don't, we're resisting and mm-hmm. we can't move forward if we're resisting, right? So we have to appreciate where it is and we have to accept it and then we can build from there. And I think the humility helps us do that, right? Mm -hmm. And then we can do something about it. We can deal with it. But without appreciation and acceptance, we're just going to be resisting. And that's not going to get us anywhere. So the second step is appreciate and accept uh, where you're at in the person or the opportunity, whatever it is. And then the third is the V, which is vulnerability. And this is a big one for people. It really goes hand in hand with humility, I think, in order to put ourselves out there and be vulnerable. We have to have some humility, And especially PMO leaders and other project leaders. You're out there on the front lines all the time. People are looking at you and you're probably more vulnerable than you think you are (laughs) because people are judging you and your role and the decisions you make and what you're asking of them or whatever. And so you may not think you're vulnerable, but you're there. You're being judged every minute of every day. So what we need to do is we have to embrace it, right? You have to put yourself out there and you have to look for those opportunities to to get better. If you, Unless you're putting yourself in a vulnerable situation, you're not stretching your comfort zone, right? You're just staying in that comfort zone and you're not going to grow. You're not going to get any better. So the vulnerability piece, it's really hand in hand with the humility because you have to be humble in order to put yourself out there and be vulnerable, really look for ways that you can uh, stretch that comfort zone. And if we're not, we're obviously stuck and where, where we're at. And again, this is about being a role model, right? You probably want your people to grow and stretch your comfort zone. right? Um, so you got to put yourself out there as well in, in the right way.
0: Right. That's an interesting point as well, because I think that a lot of times as PMO leaders are going into a new role. They don't want to be seen as vulnerable, right? They don't want to be seen as they want to be appreciated and accepted. And they feel like if they were vulnerable, they are exposing themselves and won't be treated as if they are strong enough to lead right? So can you talk about what to do if you're feeling this? Some of our audience might be having what I call the yeah, but monster syndrome, where the yeah, but monster climbs up on their shoulders and says, no, that doesn't apply to me. What if they won't value me, respect me, et cetera, if I show that I don't have all the answers, if I show, if I am vulnerable. So can you talk a little bit about what to do if they have that fear?
1: Yeah, I think the the first place to start is you may not have to do a present day thing or talk about your fears or anxiety of where, where you're at. But yeah. I would tell a, a story of vulnerability from your past and about what you learned and how you grew through it. Because if you're leading other people that are, have less experience than you and they're coming up, they're feeling what you were feeling back then or they're experiencing mm-hmm. what you experienced back then. And mm-hmm. just by your position and your role, you're sort of on a pedestal whether you want to be or not, right? There is a certain level of intimidation because of your role as the boss or the PMO leader and you have these other people that you're leading, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to sort of come off that pedestal, bring ourselves down. You may not be doing it yourself, but just by the title and the role, you have that metal. You're perceived in that way by people. Right. So- you have to make the concerted effort to, to bring yourself down to everybody's level, and, and and the way you do that is by telling your own stories of vulnerability from the past. It may not be current, but I see this is where you're at in your career, and you're probably feeling this way because I remember when I was in that role. This is what happened to me, and this is what I experienced, and this is what I had to do to get through it. But I'm telling you, it scared the crap out of me, right? And you tell that ter- personal story where you may because you know everybody knows you you haven't. You probably didn't get where you are making no mistakes in in, right. in life or in the world, or or you just blew right through things. You had some insecurities back then. Yeah. Tell those stories. Start with the past and talk about how you worked through it, because that's going to more than anything else, that that's going to connect with the, your people and where they're at, because they're probably experiencing the same thing. So look for those opportunities to tell those connection stories,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that will build trust and respect, Yeah, um, because you're not blowing smoke and you're showing yourself as human. And you become real to them as opposed to somebody on this big pedestal who's the big boss or whatever. And and then you can bring it down. Once you develop that, then you can bring it down to, hey, right now we're in a real pickle. I don't have the solutions. I need your help Mm -hmm. to work through this thing because we have a real challenge on our hands and I don't have all the answers. So once you build that credibility through the humility and the other past levels of vulnerability that you can share, you'll have the credibility to then Be humble and be vulnerable with new stuff that you're struggling with. It's a process. I think it's the best way I could explain that. Well,
0: and that's really something that I do a lot because, oh, my goodness, Skip, have I made my fair share of mistakes. I've made more than my fair share of mistakes. And what I tell my community is, listen, let me save you the time and headache and frustration of having to repeat same mistakes. Let me show you a better path forward because I can promise you. And we have a 100% success rate in our PMO training consulting program, Skip. And it's because it's based on so many mistakes Mm -hmm. that I've made or that other PMO leaders have made and being able to show them a better way. That's why our PMO leaders get such phenomenal results. They get raises, they get promotions, they get more responsibility, they get and keep their seat at the table. And it's because we are saving them so much time Mm -hmm. and frustration from having to learn it all the hard way right so i think it's huge that we're talking about this here now because i think that these are really good techniques and tips for building any leadership but in particular for pmos in the position that we're in and that's a big one i think this is great anytime you can be more real to people and show them that you have learned lessons. I mean, that's where expertise comes from. It's not from getting it all perfect the first time. It right. comes from making mistakes and, and learning from it and being stronger as a result.
1: And you didn't learn it in the book. You you didn't learn it in going through the PNP class, right? <laughs> you learned it by applying that stuff and being vulnerable and getting it wrong and figuring it out along the way. And that's the only way we're going to grow. And so I think Being able to tell those stories of your development and growth, and you didn't have it perfect all the time. I think it's a way to make connection and build that trust and respect with your team and build those deeper relationships where you can then ask for for what you need from your people. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, So let's talk about this last component of the have model and help our audience here pull it all together.
1: So E is empathy. And this is probably a trait that is lacking in in many of us, especially probably the male variety. As I've (laughs) been told, women seem to be more naturally empathetic than men, I guess. Generally uh, speaking,
0: but there are people on both sides. Some of the most empathetic people I know are men and some of the least empathetic people I know are women. So it can be a good combo. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: The way I frame this more than anything, we need to be empathetic of other people, certainly. But I think in order for us to be humble and be vulnerable and put ourselves out there, we really have to be, have some empathy for ourselves. Yeah. Many of us, when we make those mistakes, where we're trying to be vulnerable or we screw up, we're our own worst enemy, right? We're our worst critic and we beat ourselves up. And that puts some walls up for ourselves from being humble and being vulnerable and appreciating and accepting where we're at. So I think we really have to be empathetic for ourselves first and foremost. We're putting ourselves out there and we're making ourselves vulnerable there's going to be some failures. There's going to be some setbacks, right? And we have to sort of be empathetic to to that, appreciate and accept the fact that we made the effort and we're growing from it. And so empathy from that perspective, I think is really important for growth as an individual, because again, I had many experiences in my own life of just being my own worst critic and beating myself up and things like that. And we call ourselves the worst names in in the book that we'd never let anybody else call us, right? So. Right. Be kind to yourself. And then when we can do that, I think we can be more empathetic for others. Right. And again, with most of these traits and the have leadership style, people see it, could see it as being too soft or too wimpy or, yeah. or whatever. But being empathetic does not mean you're in agreement or you're going to lack accountability. It's just understanding the person, understanding the situation that created it and being empathetic towards it. But also, this is great. We understand this is a challenge. And what can we do to overcome it? Because we still need to get these things done, right? We still need this level of performance. I mean, how can I help you work through this? Because obviously, the accountability and the the performance still needs to be there. But we can certainly do it in an empathetic and a compassionate way. And it's a balance. That's probably the number one thing I find leaders struggle with most how to balance that empathy with. The accountability, right? We really think it's one or the other. And so we lead with the accountability and the performance management and stuff. And we leave the empathy behind because we don't know how we can bring those both to the table, right? right? And so it's a learned skill, but it's a mindset first. We want to be empathetic and compassionate to ourselves and others to get the most out of them.
0: Right. And it's so, so true. And I want to touch on something that you said there because sometimes people can see these characteristics, these traits as weaknesses instead of strengths. So can you talk a little bit about how these skills can be used for good and not evil and how important they are and how you work around those kind of weak connotations Because you're being soft because you're being empathetic or vulnerable and help people understand the real value of these characteristics, these traits in the workplace? Yeah.
1: Trying to turn it around from the perspective of in order for us to be humble or in order for us to be vulnerable, you have to be really strong internally. Right. You have to have a lot of self-confidence to go out there and admit that you're wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. For your ego to be able to take the hit and to get back up there and you can get out there when, when we have setbacks. And so I just turn around and say, listen, if you, in order to be humble, in order to be vulnerable, in order to be empathetic, it's not soft because I think you have to have even more confidence to lead with these traits. Right. Right. And you have to have a lot of internal strength. Your ego has to be really strong to take these hits, right? And so I think it's really a misnomer or misappropriation or whatever of a focus to think that these are soft traits. Because we have to have a lot of confidence to lead this way. Because our egos are being attacked each and every way with these. And we have to bring strong confidence to it. Because people who have low self-confidence and low self-esteem do not lead this way. So I think it is definitely as a sign of strength when you lead this way and it shows strength and leading with empathy, you can be seen as a pushover, right? Yeah. You can be seen as too soft. It comes in the way you communicate. Are you balancing the empathy with the accountability? Right. And that's the balance that you have to bring to the table. And if you don't know how to do that, then get some coaching or training around it. You're the best leaders bring that balance. Right. So.
0: And And I've seen that as well. I mean, frankly in my personal experience professionally and personally those with the biggest egos are the ones seem the most proud and the most pushy mm-hmm. and the most driving are the ones that are really quite vulnerable underneath, and they don't want that to show. So they Mm -hmm. push so far to the other extreme. Whereas the people that I know that are the strongest and the smartest and the people that I want to learn from are the ones that have no problem saying, hey, this is what I think, but I want to hear others' opinions. I want to Mm -hmm. learn from other people's perspectives. They admit that they're not right all the time. They Mm -hmm. ask for help. And those are the people that really get my respect, the people that are real. Right. And then don't pretend that everything's all sunshine and flowers all the time. And then don't pretend that everything's perfect all the time and that they're perfect. And I think that's really helpful. And that's what I value. So when we're before we wrap up here, I just want to ask, are there let's say that somebody that's listening is like, okay, great. I got it on the humility. I've got it on the maybe appreciation, acceptance, vulnerability, but I am just not there on the empathy. Or they're like, you know what, I just I know I'm really good at this. And I think being humble means you're weak or something like that. If there's something that's like not a natural tendency for somebody Mm -hmm. here, how can they build that trait so that they Mm -hmm. can be a more well-rounded leader?
1: Well, I guess the first answer is always the awareness of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, You got to accept
0: that there's a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go back to appreciation and acceptance. Right. And and say, say, well, what? Let me take a look at these four and then find yeah. out where my strengths are and where, where my challenges are. Appreciate it and acceptance, and then do some uh, self reflection evaluation again. So, if so let's say humility or empathy is your Achilles heel, explore that. Why do you think it would be important for you to develop this trait better? Right? right. How would it make a difference for you? You know, oh, as, as you mentioned, I think on our summit talk, you know, the why. Right? What's the yeah. why behind this? If it's important enough to bring this trade into the mix, I think is the first thing, really evaluate that. What will it do for you? How will it make a difference for you if you bring this trade in? And one of the things that one of my gurus, the people I've followed, I think is a really great executive and leadership coach is Marshall Goldsmith. I don't yep. know if you're familiar with Marshall yep. Goldsmith, but he has a really great coaching methodologies and he's great about going around and the people that you trust and respect and ask them for feedback about yep. you. Yeah. So and just go to the person, say, Hey, Laurie, I'm working on really want your input on this. I'm trying to be more humble and lead with humility. Can you give me some, what have you noticed about me in that, in that context? And do you have any ideas of how I could be more humble? Give me one or two suggestions or situations or where you think I could, or should be more humble. And again, now that's really leading with vulnerability, right? <laughs> if your strength is vulnerability, you can do that. But Marshall Goldsmith has a great concept. Just, just, Pick the context that you want help with and just say, how can I be a better X? Or how can I develop X X skills and I want your input because I trust and respect you. And I think that, that's a really great first approach. Again, it's that's modeling the behavior that we want, soliciting uh, constructive feedback from your people. And that again, as a turnaround, will open them up to being more open to constructive feedback. But I just think we have to we have to lead the way we want people to show up, and you know, be the the role model for who and how we want. Yeah.
0: Yeah, be the change we want to see in the world. That's right. Awesome. Well, this is great, Skip. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. I really appreciate your and helping us figure out how we can have the skills that we need to lead better and get better outcomes for the way we're leading teams to perform at their absolute best. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for all the impact drivers that are listening to this session today. I hope we've helped you think a little bit differently about how you can build and lead high-performing teams and build your own leadership competencies. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass, on the game-changing steps that you have not considered, I promise, to building a high-impact PMO. So whether you're starting from scratch with a new PMO, or you've got a team and you're already trying to up-level your capabilities, or you've been called in to get things back on track, let us help you get and keep your seat at the table By unlocking the secrets of a high-impact PMO, your stakeholders will be begging for. Join me at pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. I can't wait to see you there that is it for this session. I look forward to sharing more high impact insights with you. Make sure you hit subscribe, download this podcast so you have it no matter where you are. And we'll see you soon in the next episode. Bye-bye for now.